Checkity, check, check, check. Here we go. Hello, I am JR. Welcome to the JR Show podcast. And you are in for an absolute treat today. Now, there's a church in Nashville that is basically the church where a lot of your favorite worship leaders go to worship. Pope Darst is the worship leader of that church and the voice of one of the biggest songs of the past couple of years, Peace Be Still. I did not know that she was this much of an absolute firecracker, a personality that can take over the room. You're in for some laughs and some great spiritual nuggets as well on this podcast. We're going to talk about COVID, what she's learned from it, and then she's going to break down how the song Peace Be Still came to be. And then at the very end, we're going to put her in front of the piano for tickling the ivories. We'll see if she plays at all. Here we go. Let's get after it. Episode 10 of the JR Show podcast with Hope Darst. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, will you please put your little paws together for Hope Darst. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Sorry, I was trying to come up with something really catchy. I loved it. Um, hey, as a worship <laughs> nut, I always love to be able to sit in front of, uh, of, of worship artists. And uh, this is a quick little plug for Joy Worship is now available to download for your iPhone or Android, where you'll hear lots of the belonging and lots of Hope Darst. <laughs> love that. But let's, uh, here on the Joy FM, we're going to talk strictly Hope Darst right here. And uh, let's just start out by saying, brand new album from Hope is coming next Friday. Who? What is the actual name of the the album? Is, uh, is there a name? We yeah, we called it Peace Be Still. Peace Be Still. Yes, because you've got lots. a song called Peace Be Still. I mean, maybe I have a song that's called <laughs> Peace Be Still. <laughs> we we actually threw around a ton of titles because there were several other titles that we had thought about, but kind of at the end of the day, we just still all felt like it was yeah. kind of still like the the title of the song. What about this one? Work. Here comes hope. Okay, here comes hope. I mean, I love that one. Yeah. I thought about Hope Never Fails. I was like, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We threw out lots of ideas. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's where we landed. We thought it would be easier because I'm still a new artist. People still don't know who I am, but they're starting to become familiar with the song. So it felt like the most practical way for people to like find the song and then hopefully find the rest of the record that we hope right. infuses more hope well, and peace into people. Let's lead off all, all the interviews uh, for the next season of interviews that I'm doing. Um, I'm going to lead off with just an icebreaker. It's got nothing to do with you, me, anything. It's Love just it. straight up so we can get over the awkwardness of being in the this room together. This isn't awkward. I like you. I was excited <laughs> to do this. <laughs> um, you were actually just talking about this off mic, so it's funny that my icebreaker for you, Hope, is Ooh. have you ever stalked someone on social media? A hundred percent. You know me so well already. <laughs> okay, so I'm very, very obsessed with a food blocker. She's now like a cookbook author. Her name is Alex Snodgrass, and she has this blog that's called The Defined Dish, and I'm quite obsessed with her yeah. to the degree that have I privately DM'd her a couple of times, maybe. <laughs> and when she came and did her book tour here in Nashville, she came and was I like the first person in line? Yes. Did I <laughs> sit on the great. front row? Yes. Did I ask her awkward questions in the signing line? Yes. Do I feel like we are best friends? Absolutely. <laughs> did I get in costume and go back around the I mean, line I again? I about it. Is it possible <laughs> that she will take a warrant out for me at some point? Maybe. I don't know. We're going to see. But I just, Good. I love, I love her food. 
oh my, her food is so good. Yeah. And if you're anybody who's ever done like the whole 30 or you try to eat like a little bit healthier lifestyle, her recipes are just so fantastic and they actually taste good. So I'm kind of obsessed. I tell everyone I know about her and I really like her a lot. And I'm actually going to send her my record. Yeah. That's how that's how far this is going to go, guys. And my home address. And my home and address and my phone number. <laughs> that's great. It's true. Yeah. I picked the right person for this icebreaker. Yeah, wow. you did. You great. did. Let's do an awkward transition here into okay. the song that a lot of our listeners are starting to get to know you from mm. is Peace Be Still which has had legs and legs and legs. Um, A lot of people, like I am one that my daughter, who is a a worship leader at our church, she's into, she's, you know, into a lot of the worship artists. She was the one that was like, check this song out, dad. Lauren Daigle's on it. It's amazing. And Lauren kills it. But can you, is there like a two minute version of how Lauren, who was going to your church at The Belonging, uh, ended up singing a song and then it became yours? Yeah. Okay. So I'll try to give the short version. I'm not one that's usually short with words. So this is going to be like a real <laughs> We've got test. tons of tape. It's testament to my <laughs> flexibility right now. Um, okay. Timeline. 2016, our church is really starting to grow. We're now like have multiple services and a lot has happened in the life of our church. So many testimonies of just people getting just a lot of heart healing and freedom and all kinds of stuff. And so I think when that happens in a church and in a movement, you need new words like to sing what's really happening in your house. And so our worship team went away for the first time to just write songs. We weren't trying to make a record. We were literally just writing songs for our lives and what we were walking through and hopefully to offer them to our church as something that they also could sing and confess over their lives. So on that day, Mia Fields, Andrew Holt, myself, we were writing and I was dealing with a lot of anxiety in that season, a lot of fear, mostly because it was a new season for me and I was learning how to be a songwriter and it was new territory and I just felt so insecure. And then I had lots of just own personal things going on in my life that led to that. And so fear was really prevalent in that season. And Mia came in and she was dealing with the fear of disappointment in some areas. And so we just decided in that moment, like we're going to write a song that actually just addresses fear head on. And we're going to grab hold of this promise of God that he brings mist, he brings peace in the midst of every storm and he can silence this voice of fear in our lives. And so we genuinely, I mean, we are crying. We are, it is a very real moment. We weren't thinking about church. We weren't thinking about singing it on our album or none of that was in our framework. We were just literally like, how do we deal with the fear that we are actually battling like right now in this very moment in our lives? So we write the song and I mean, to be honest with you, like, I didn't even know if the song was good. <laughs> I was a little bit like, maybe, I mean, it had a totally different chorus. It like ended with the word Galilee. It was completely different. And I was like, I don't know if this song's going to go anywhere. And we sent it to Henry Seeley, who's our pastor and worship leader and kind of oversees everything. And he was like, guys, this song's really good, but that end of that is real weird. He's yeah. like, could y'all like go back and fix it? And that's how the whole section of peace peace over me came. We just, we switched it out, made a few little tweaks and, and suddenly it just, it felt so right. And Henry was like, you know, we should, we should try this at church. And so we began to lead it at church and it just immediately just took off within our congregation. And it was beautiful to watch because that wasn't the intention of it, but it, something about it, I think, cause honestly, Mia and I wrote it so true to where we were in our life. It was really honest and people could grab, hold on, I think, to the honesty of the song, but also the hope and the promise of the song that Jesus does speak peace over us. So 
there was a week that we were doing a conference at our church and we were just singing lots of new songs that had come out of that season of writing as a team. Again, not with any intention to make a record. Like I think we thought maybe eventually we'll record these songs, but that wasn't the goal. And so all of us were singing different songs that week. And Lauren Daigle was a part of our church and a part of our um, worship team. And so everyone was just leading different songs. I led it one night, Lauren led it one night, you know, it was just a huge, um, you know, smorgasbord of everybody (laughs) leading all these different songs. And Fast forward a few months later, as they're mixing some of the songs and listening back to what happened to that week, um, just the night that Lauren led that song, it just was so special. And it really did something in the atmosphere. And it just, something was captured in that that night when she led it, that it just made the most sense to put that on the record. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I look back at that season, I was think I was telling you this off air, like I can listen to the night that I led it and I can still hear a lot of the insecurity and a lot of the fear that I was still walking through in my, my vocal. And, you know, I, I remember just being like, you know, God just really speaking to me going, you know, you weren't meant to carry that song. Like I was carrying you in that season to a place of healing and redemption. It, it was meant for her to carry that song in that season. And so it was beautiful to see that get released and just to watch like how people reacted to it outside of our church walls. I mean, it just felt like it just did something and people really grabbed onto it. And as a worship leader, as a songwriter, that meant the world to me. And, and once it was out, like I didn't think about it again. Like it wasn't a song that I was you know, once you release it, you release it, you know what I mean? You hand it off. And as a songwriter, that's what we do all day long. We write songs and we hand them off. And so that was the story with this song, but it just always seemed to circle back and, you know, different people we thought would cut it over the years and, and no one, it just, for whatever reason, it just never worked out. And Mia and I constantly kept coming back to, we both just felt like God said, I have more territory for this song. And we didn't really know what that meant, but we were just, we couldn't shake it. And the more that we thought other people were going to do it and the more it didn't happen, eventually Mia was like, this song is like a boomerang. It just always comes back to you. And she's like, what if you just recorded it and you released it? And we like saw if it could go to radio. And I remember being like, okay, there's a couple problems with that. First of all, I'm not an artist. I'm not on a label. I don't, I'm not a radio. (laughs) Like that's not what I do. And she was just like, I don't know. She's like, why don't you just step out in faith and record it and just see what God does. And I really drug my feet for about six months. Cause I was like, I really needed to know that, that that was actually God asking me to do that. And not just some whim. Cause it took years for me to like bury that need to be an artist or to be whatever. It took a lot of years of surrender. And so once I finally had like really released that and found contentment and value in the season that I was in, it felt weird to maybe possibly pick that back up. Um, but I, I couldn't shake that God was like, just trust me, just step out in faith. And so I did and ended up, John Smith recorded it, recorded a version of it. And Again, I was still like, I don't know if it's good. I mean, let's just, you know, let's record it. Maybe I'll just throw it on Spotify at midnight one night. My mom will like it. You know, I mean, it wasn't, we didn't really know. We were thought re- this was cute. Might delete. Yeah. Might delete later. <laughs> you know, we just, I didn't know. It was really a step of faith. Yeah. And lo, lo and behold, that opened several doors that led me ultimately to signing with Fairtrade as an artist. And 
them falling in love with the song and being like, we absolutely believe this song should should go beyond just where it's been already, and and we want to we want to throw it into the world of radio and and gather a whole new audience. And I remember just my head was spinning, being like, wait, this is really happening. And it was a hundred percent the Lord because I wasn't really doing much to make any of this happen other than just saying yes to every time I felt like God said do this, now do this. And, and then we would just watch it unfold. And, and so that's really how that happened. Um, and partly cause I would do the song out on the road a lot when I was leading worship different places and everyone would always ask for a shorter version because it's, you know, it's kind of long <laughs> on the belonging record, which I love. Yeah. Um, and so there was lots of reasons and, you know, we just did it. And so it's been incredible to watch. I mean, the song's four years old. But I think it's proof that, like, the promises of God never, ever, like, don't remain. And they always last. And I think that's the thing about this song. The song is such a just declaration of what God says, you know, that he speaks peace over us. And he speaks peace to the storms that we find ourselves in. And he can silence every wave. And that never is an old message. Like, there's no time, you know, expiration date on that message. And so you know, the fact that it came out and then it's been in the middle of this pandemic, mm. we can't plan that. Like that's just God's time. I mean, four years after it was, re- I mean, think about it. All the people yeah. that could have cut it or, or if I had cut it a year prior or you just, you can't predict those things. And I think that's why it's so important to stay really surrendered and really tethered to what God is saying in every season. Because, you know, when you are just really trying to say, God, I want to be surrendered to your will. And I want to be surrendered to your timing as well. Um, it's amazing what God can do with that. And so that's kind of the long story short. That was more than two minutes. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's all right. You can edit that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just figured out, Hope, who you look like. <gasps> it was killing me. It's going to be flattering looks-wise, but not character-wise. <laughs> When when Ariel makes a deal with Ursula, and then she goes to get married to Prince Eric. Yes. She's a brunette. She is. And it's Ursula, but it's... I received this compliment, and I will take just, it. just like Ariel, but that's not Ariel. It is my most favorite <laughs> Disney movie. Well, I have to... That and Beauty and the Beast. Because they yeah. were like the two Disney movies that came out when I was a kid that they were actual musicals. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I could right now. Like, I was the same. Mm-hmm. What does that song go? How many caverns can one cavern hold? Yeah. Looking around here, you think. Sure. Sure. She's <laughs> got, got everything. I've got I'm, gadgets I, and gizmos are plenty. I got wizards and wizards galore. You want to think about it? I got 20. <laughs> The other one I was thinking was Monica Geller when she's got long hair and friends. Also, I love Monica. Yeah. She's a clean freak. She, I, I, we, I feel really kindred spirits with these examples. So thanks, JR. COVID taught, COVID taught me this and I'll, I'll never be the same. Okay. I mean, that's the question. COVID, oh, that's the question. COVID taught me this and I'm changed. I'll never go back. To, the, mm. to before pandemic, what would be one thing that maybe was a lesson learned Oof. in that time? COVID taught me how busy I was and how much I didn't understand the power of a Sabbath. And I felt God really, really speak to me about that in the in the season of everything that we've been in. You know, it's funny. I mean, it's Sabbath is a commandment. And even though it's Old Testament, I still think it, it it applies now, and it's still part of 
I mean, what we have to figure out, what does that look like in a New Testament life and following Jesus? And I just remembered thinking like, we are not very good as humans as of actually resting. I mean, especially as a mom, like, you know, in my mind, resting was just, I'm home. I'm still doing laundry and I'm still mm. cooking and I'm still doing this and I'm still doing that, but not actually just resting and like having a day where I really actually go, okay, God, like I'm going to move at a slow pace today. I'm going to love my family with intentionality. I'm going to actually spend time with you and love you with intentionality. And I think we just, I busied my life so much that I, I failed to understand how powerful a Sabbath was. And I think moving forward, I will bend over backwards to make sure that that's still a part of our lives. I'm still figuring out what does that look like, you know, because our culture, we don't think about it. Like it's not really built in, even to our church culture, you know, think, I mean, we, Saturday's a work day for so many of us and sports and, and toting our kids around. And then Sunday's a church day and you're, you know, if you serve like I do, you could be at church all day long and then boom, you're right back in the Monday through Friday. And I just felt like God said, like, my rest is what recalibrates you. And it's funny, like I did this devotional, this Peace Be Still devotional at the I've beginning got, of- I read it. Ah. Yeah. Um, and it's it pulls from Mark um, 4, like 35 through 42. And I was so moved by the fact that Jesus gets, you know, he's been preaching, right? So he's been ministering and pouring out. And they say they had to lift him in the boat because he was actually so exhausted. But when he gets in the boat, he immediately goes and he rests. And I thought it was so interesting that when he wakes up to a storm, he immediately spoke peace into the storm and immediately had authority. And it dawned on me that like without rest, you aren't able to stare at the things of life with like real clarity and like be able to speak peace into every situation and speak authority into every situation. And you're not ready for what's up ahead. Like, cause on the other side, when they get the boat across the sea, like he's going to like literally set demons free from people. He's going to heal leopards. He's going to heal the woman with the issue of blood. Like there are so many miracles that are getting ready to happen on the other side of that river or sea. And I felt like God said, like, you have to rest in order to be able to speak to what you're in and to be strong and prepared for what's ahead of you. And so that's what I'm yeah. hopefully not going to do you the same as. You need a lot of energy to heal leopards. Like A lot. They are... <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that series Chosen? It is they so just, you. They were just good. talking about it. <laughs> and you're saying that this there's this scene with the leper, and it's so yeah. beautiful. It's just, it's a really... I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to get like, on that. I'm no, I'm giving a plug for You're it. But multiple it's, people it's, now have. It is yeah. so good. It's it's done just so well, yeah. and I don't know the way they, <laughs> the the way they paint Jesus in it is just yeah. really beautiful and feels really real and true. Right. So, I forget. Was it Nate Bargatze that did a bit on? <laughs> Why did Jesus heal leopards? Like what was it? somebody did one? <laughs> I love him. We have tickets to him in December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go with the song Promise Keeper is there a setup for this song oh. DNA of this song yes I love this song it was like the surprise song on the record because we went in to write it and usually when I go in to write a song like I already kind of have like something that I want to 
bring into the room. But this particular day, I, I remember driving to the right and I just felt like God said, I just want you to stay really open today and not bring something into the right. And I was like, okay. Um, easy. <laughs> I was like, great. <laughs> I'm going to take the day off. Holy Spirit, you do all the work. No, <laughs> that's always my heart is that he would be doing the work in the right. But I went in and I was writing with John Smith and Ethan Hulse that day. And we were just talking about life and just, you know, different things. And I think at some point, one of us were just kind of threw out the thought of like, I just love that God's a promise keeper. And we just started kind of unpacking the thought of that. And I really wanted a song that I felt like I could lead with some authority and that really dug into like the nature of who God is. And, um, there's this, you know, there's the whole first verse. I love it says, um, your vows of covenant unbroken. You've made it known through history. Your love has never been unfaithful. It's never walked out on me. And it was just like, I wanted to declare who I know God to be. And, and then you get into the bridge and it's my favorite part of the song. Cause it says, it pulls from the scripture that says, um, I'll see the good, I'll see your goodness in the land of the living. I'll see your goodness right here, right now, you know, the end before the beginning. And I know that you've worked all things out. And, it just feels like a song that just infuses that strength to just keep being like, yes, you do what you say you're going to do. Like, you know, and the chorus says, um, you are a promise keeper. Um, your word will never fail. Uh, um, what's the next line? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, right miracle now. worker. <laughs> you're from, you're you are a promise keeper. Yeah. Oh, my heart can trust you, Jesus. I won't be overwhelmed. Um, and then it's, you know, and it says, I'll see miracles and victories, like just such a song of declaration. And I think, you know, it's so easy to find ourselves in seasons where we feel like promises were broken or vows were broken from people or even, you know, feeling like God going like, I thought you were going to do this and that didn't happen. And, and, and sitting with disappointment. And I think one thing that I've learned over the years is to force myself to actually go, how do I see your goodness right here, right now in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of failure, in the midst of heartache, I want to figure out a way to declare that your goodness is here because I know it is, even if I can't see it. And even if I don't feel it, I have to say it in order for my heart to partner with who you are, even in this season. And so I'm really excited about this song. I love it a lot. It's really special. I hope I love to ask this, um, this question to people who their job is to be on stage uh, working mm. with a church, which means you've spent thousands of nights in front of a congregation. Mm. So what is first thought that comes to your mind when I ask you of all those thousand nights on stage in front of a microphone at a church that was the most embarrassing moment on a church stage for you? Oh, okay. So it wasn't technically a church stage, but I was still leading worship. Okay. Um, for, uh, for a few short years, I traveled with women of faith. They did these big women's conferences and I was, I was out. there. Okay. So, you know, yeah. so I was leading worship with them. Wait, you're not a woman. What were <laughs> you doing there? <laughs> I was running merch. <laughs> you snuck in the back. Um, so we were leading worship. I was I think I was like six or seven months post having my second daughter. And I will just say that like, I, I'm 
now I'm good about exercising and being physically active in that season, not so much. So I was not aware of my physical limitations and we are at the end of the first night and they had said like, we're going to play this like really up tempo song at the end. And we just want like everybody to just like jump up and down and like just worship and just be free and whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. So we get to this moment, I start jumping up and down. And I immediately start peeing all over myself. <laughs> yes, that's in great. front of seven thousand women. <laughs> and I turn to Angie Smith, who's married to Todd Smith of Sela. She's next to me, and she's like worshiping at Jimmy too. And I was like, "Hey, Angie, I'm literally peeing on myself right now." <laughs> and she's like, "What?" And I was like, "Look at my boots!" And you could literally see like pee just streaming down the side of my leather boot. That and she was so like, good. "Oh my gosh, you really are!" Is this like, all into yeah. the microphone you're saying these things well it was off mic <laughs> okay but I mean it was just the reality like there are things that happen to women's bodies after they have babies and you don't know that yeah. you have limitations and so that is my most embarrassing moment ever in leaning worship <laughs> and I tell it proudly <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> thank you for that that's gold because okay. I remember you telling me one time you had asked Mandisa you know, had she ever walked off stage to go to the bathroom yeah. or something? Is that right? Is that yeah. true person? And I remember you telling that and me thinking, oh, my response would have just yeah. been, I just peed on myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How did you hear? I told you that? I think you told me that story oh. when we, when I was in Florida and I was visiting you. Yeah. The okay. last time. Yeah. She, I think I asked a question like, uh, have you ever cut a show short? That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. Cause you had to go to the bathroom. And usually it's people who were sick or had to go to the bathroom. Right. And my response would have been, yeah. No. I just went on stage. <laughs> I didn't cut it short. Just pee right here. Just, you know, <laughs> That's what I do when I'm driving <laughs> on a road trip. Uh, to end that tour, yeah. I literally went and bought the largest size Depends diaper that I could find. <laughs> and I wore it over my clothes for the entire last rehearsal. Yeah. And there's... There's footage of me somewhere doing this. And I remember the band guys like just kept saying in the mic, I can't, I can't follow you right now. Like, this is so disturbing just seeing you in this massive diaper. And then in the video, pee beast. Yeah. You oh, know sorry. what? It's, That's it's a bad. new version. It's sorry. coming later. Last question. Find a strap. <laughs> um, what is the part of scripture you would love to see on the big screen with a gazillion dollar budget? Not a not a small faith based, but like millions, top notch actors, CGI, everything. Part that we've not seen yet, like the, a story. The story from scripture. You're like that. How has nobody ever done oh, rough, wow. a gazillion dollar film that you would love to? Like you, when you mm. read it, you're like, wow, that's a powerful story in scripture. I could see that in a film, like, oh, and that not is poorly such a done. Good question. Um, I'll steal David from you because okay, David, like they've done things about David, yeah. but there are so many parts of his life that yes. you like, this is a movie. I could see it front to back from being a little boy coming yeah. in out of the fields, fighting lions and bears. Then he's in front of Goliath and then Saul throwing. That's true. I guess I haven't really thought about the fact that there hasn't been like a beautiful yeah. movie about David. I, I'm not to like cop out and like get like yeah. a you know, just steal your answer. I but just, that actually feels yeah. true because <laughs> yeah. I think his story is so powerful. There's a book that I've read called, and David perceived he was King. And it talks about his whole life and the journey of like, that he was actually a King. Like he was, he was anointed King before he was appointed King. Mm. And it actually, he had to know that he was a King in the middle of nowhere 
so that his heart would actually carry kingship long before he was actually a king. And it talks about how he had to spend like five years in the palace just learning the ways of a king before he ever became the king. Mm. And it really shifted a lot of my perspective about understanding like our identity and how we see ourselves and how God calls us something many times long before we ever see that in the natural. And I do, I'm with you. I feel like his story is so powerful because there's so much like the fact that you're appointed King, like, I mean, he was literally the outcast, like that there are people that even wonder like, uh, you know, theologians, like he was, he was possibly like from an affair, like, or, you know, from uh, what would you have called it? Like another wife. And so there was a lot of illegitimacy to some degree about David. It's just why his father like didn't line him up with all the brothers. And I think so many people can relate to that of just feeling unwanted or abandoned or not seen or not considered the favorite. I was a middle child. Yeah. You know that feeling. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that like God, like saw that on his life and called that. But then like later on, like there's a lot of failure in his life. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. there's, there's murder, there's adultery, you know, there's just a lot of things. And yet that God still chose fit to say like, actually, this is a man that was after my heart. Like he ran after my heart. He chased after being like me, even when he failed. And he was always so quick to repent. There was so much humility in Mm. David, like the difference between David and Saul Saul, there was no humility. There was no teachability in Saul. Even though Saul had the same anointing and the same calling on his life, he couldn't humble himself. There was so much jealousy and insecurity. And when he got things wrong, his pride would flare. But when David got things wrong, like he would just throw himself at the feet of Jesus and weep and repent and rip his clothes (laughs) off and look like a fool for God. And so, yeah, I'm like pretty obsessed with David. I think he's, he's pretty. Who plays him? (laughs) Oh, good question. I don't know. Who would you say? Um, It's got to be good looking. Yeah. I feel like he would have dark hair. Yeah. I'm trying to think. It can't be... Who's the guy that played Jesus? Jim Peasel? It can't be him because now he's Jesus to all of us. can't be Jesus and David. Maybe it's like somebody that's like lesser known. I don't know. Zac Efron. No, he's too pretty. (laughs) No, I feel like he still needs to feel rugged and like he's lived a little. Yeah. I don't know. Let's table it. it. Yeah. One more thing we've got to do, Hope, and we do this with all the artists that are in studio. Obviously, we can't do this with a phoner. But we have this piano behind me. (gasps) And uh, we do something called Tickling the Ivories. And it's 30 seconds to do whatever you want. Some of the artists we get, can't even play chopsticks like yeah i can't play at all that's perfect that's why we created this like zach williams you know he sits in front of the piano and it's just dang dang but then you get matt marr who will give us mozart yeah not fair not fair guys (laughs) we actually like it when somebody can't play it's more entertaining when somebody can't play so we're gonna mic you up over there and then we'll start the clock you'll have 30 seconds to just give us whatever you want oh my goodness okay Tickling the Ivories. All right. This is called Tickling the Ivories. First time around for Hope Darst, who is a singer. We need to clarify that. She's not a piano player. Do not Um, play at all. But that's why we created this bit to allow. This is is my nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Expressing my greatest weakness. (laughs) 
Um, so we, we do need to clarify some of the artists we have do tickling the ivories cannot play don't have never even sat at a piano yeah. this is going to be one of those times yep so it's 30 seconds on the clock to give us whatever <laughs> you want for tickling the ivories oh my god this could be an adventure this this is gonna be a hot mess that's what this is gonna be <laughs> okay uh, go. i'm gonna attempt something okay I don't even know. Wait, little, little. You know what? Mary had a little lamb. Little lamb. Little lamb. You do that same thing with peace, peace, still. Mary had a little lamb. Susan's on the snow. Peace, peace, still. Say the word. That's perfect. That's all I can get. There you go. That's it. Guys, this is not my gifting. Singing. That's it. That's 30 seconds. You made it. Yeah. Thank you. Praise him. (laughs) Tickling the ivories. Thank you for dropping by. Hope. Always great to see you. It's so fun to chat with you. Such an honor to be here. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. She is an absolute gem, uh, can light up a room, a personality that is just, I want to be her friend. And she officially is the worst piano player we have ever had for tickling the ivory. So the bar has been set. Well done, Hope. Hopefully you enjoyed that. You can follow us on Instagram. We also encourage you to subscribe to the JR Show podcast so you're always alerted when a new episode comes up. And if you like what you hear, don't forget you can leave us a nice little five-star review. We appreciate it. Next week, we're going to hit episode 11. You won't want to miss it. Darren from We Are Messengers will be my guest. Until then, don't forget, hit subscribe. And thank you for listening to the JR Show podcast. All right, that's a wrap, guys.